it's official. The mad scientist, if you want to call him that, is staying in Cincinnati. Lou Anarumo is not going anywhere as Jonathan Gannon, the former Eagles defensive coordinator, is the Cardinals' news head coach, which means Anarumo is going to be back for his fifth season in Cincinnati. Welcome into another edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast, off-season style. Muhammad Ahmad here with you alongside Andrew Gillis and Mike Nislik, per usual. And that is the big headline story of the day. Zach Taylor keeps his coordinators together, Brian Callahan and Luane Rumo for the fifth straight year. And if you want to talk about Dan Pitcher, he keeps that trio together for the fourth straight year because Pitcher's first year was Joe Burrow's rookie year in 2020. And just jumping into it, guys, I mean, if you look at the odds makers, at least I saw Bet MGM, they moved the Bengals from the fourth, fifth most favorite team to win the Super Bowl to number two, right behind the Chiefs, plus 850, which shows you this is a pretty big deal. I think the Bengals didn't just hit a home run. I think they are going to have the best coaching continuity in the NFL next year. I mean, how big of a deal is this for the Bengals? I mean, I mean that's, that's not really issues. known. So those, those are two different things. Um, the I think what happened was, uh, I mean, Anna Rumo, I mean, that might have helped, but I mean, the betting odds have been the betting odds have been out for for one day. Um, you know, you money shifts the line. That's what it is. That's what he's trying. Yeah, to like <laughs> I, I don't know if it's. I mean, if it's if it was something like a you know player acquisition, obviously that'll change it. But uh, people probably looked at it. I mean, we talked about it, and we were like, yeah, you can kind of look anywhere from two to five and really be okay with it. So I think a lot of people looked at the Bengals and went, okay. They have good, you know, what are they sitting third, fourth, where it was fourth, like third, or fourth or fifth. third or whatever they were. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of people looked at it and went, okay, like that feels like good value to me. Um, so I think, you know, that that's what would cause the Bengals to move up. I don't think it was Anarumo, but, um, you know, specifically to Anarumo, um, yeah, I mean, it's a big deal. Uh, you don't have to kind of worry about some, um, you don't have to worry about a new coordinator coming in. You kind of look at the changes that could happen defensively this year. Uh, you need to work in a a, uh, a second-year safety who is taking over for a, a really talented player in Jesse Bates. You still got a second-year corner. Uh, who knows what Chidobi Awuze is going to look like when he comes back, and who knows going to be who's going to be that that other corner with Cam Taylor Britt. Like the secondary is going to have some questions, and you need a guy with a secondary background to help that out. Um, you know, you, you might, might lose Jermaine Pratt. You want to have some continuity in the coaching staff if you're not going to have it on the roster. Um, and obviously, I mean, he did a really good job defending, uh, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, you know, you can, you can kind of go down the list of the, the, the teams that have struggled offensively against the Bengals. And I mean, looking at the schedule next year, you're going to play Derrick Henry again, uh, and in Tennessee, you're going to play the bills again in Cincinnati. You're going to play the Chiefs in Arrowhead. You know, the Ravens, you're going to play them like twice, obviously. The Colts are going to have a high draft pick. The Texans are going to have a high draft pick and have some quarterback help. You're going to play some some talented quarterbacks again. And, and adding a guy who's done pretty well at defending elite quarterbacks is, uh, is a big deal. Are you saying one of the reasons that getting him back is important is because they're going to play the Texans? Well, you're going to play C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. Sure. That's crazy talk. The Texans are going to be terrible. They're going to well, no, the Colts. Terrible. The Colts are, are going to be. I think 
the, I mean, we're going to get into this way into the summer, but the Colts, I, I kind of like them if you can get a quarterback because their quarterback play over the last few years has been absolutely horrible. But their defense is pretty good. Their offensive line is pretty good. So Yeah, and if you if you saw the, the press conference today in Indianapolis with, with Ursay, um, you know, they, they kind of tipped their hand as to what they're going to do. You know, we talked about going after a young quarterback. So they wanted an offensive-minded guy, but, like, you know, yeah, you know, you can you can credit Joe, you know, part of Joe Burrow's success for what this staff has done with him. Uh, but, you know, Philadelphia also has Jalen Hurts and, and his progression might be more impressive than than Joe Burrow's. I think you could make that argument pretty cleanly. Um, Joe Burrow was the number one overall pick. Jalen Hurts was the second overall pick. People really kind of doubted him coming into this year. Uh, and he played the best game of his life just a few days ago. So I, I think that you can kind of look at quarterback development. Um, and I think a lot of teams are doing that because if you can get an offensive guy in there with a younger head coach, um, like a younger quarterback, young head coach, even if the head coach is going to miss, if you develop the quarterback, you're going to be fine for 12 to 15 years. So I feel like that's kind of the way that a lot of teams are looking at it. Like, listen, the head coach isn't going to work out. That's fine because our defense is a mess, whatever. But if we get the quarterback right, we're going to be okay. So I think that that, it's kind of their theory, and you know, I mean, you 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 look around the league. There's a lot of other a lot of other success stories in terms of quarterback development, and and Hertz might be one of them that's better than Burroughs. I agree with that, and I guess I see what you're saying. They wanted someone who they know can develop any quarterback, whereas, I mean, Joe Burrow was just a whole shot, Heisman winner, national title winner, and then once he got back from his injury, I mean, the rest was history. So it's not that, like, Callahan didn't do anything. I mean, clearly he had a job to do, but the development was just so different because they already knew what they were getting. But, I mean, no, the Jalen Hurts development story is absolutely no debate the best in the league. And I didn't say that to, like, say, oh, Steichen's not good, but I just wonder, like, you know, how much different was he from Callahan? Like, you know, did Callahan maybe get beat out? Like, was there something maybe they didn't see in him? But when you put it like that, I mean, I think if they already had a quarterback who was good, it'd be one thing. I think Callahan would have been better for the job. So I think if Callahan gets another head coaching job, which I think it's only a matter of time for him and even Lou and Rumo, who I'll get back to, but I think it fit Callahan better with a system where they know who the guy is and what the guy's doing. Whereas with the Colts, it's like, they don't know. I mean, obviously they know they're going to draft someone. They just don't know what it's going to look like. So that's a good point there. But to go back to the point about continuity, you can't understate how important that is because you think about it. Zach Taylor has his coordinators back for the fifth straight year with Dan Pitcher, who got multiple, you know, job offers like the Buccaneers offensive coordinator job. You include him. That's four straight years with your three main guys. And I mean, Darren Simmons has been there forever, but you also have Darren Simmons, who's his assistant head coach. And like, just to look at the list here of other teams that compared to the Bengals continuity, I mean, the chiefs are at the forefront because Eric Reed, or did I just say Eric Reed? Oh my gosh. Andy Reed, his brother plays for Andy Reed, Andy Reed, Eric B and Steve Spagnola have been together collectively for four years. Their first year was when they won their first championship. Their special teams coach was kind of like their Darren Simmons, Dave Taub. He's been with him in that stretch too. Then you look at Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier together for six seasons since McDermott's been in Buffalo, basically. You know, Mike McDonald and John Harbaugh had two stints together, but they've been together for eight years. Now he's a defensive coordinator. You had a great Groman who was there for four years till he stepped down. And all those teams have done fairly well. Like, they've made the playoffs, and they've been championship contenders. Of course, the Chiefs just happened to win the big game. So it is such a big deal. And you can't say it's only continuity. It's everything that goes with it. But when you look at the talent the Chiefs have, 
the talent the Bengals have. I mean, the continuity is so important. Like you talked about, you're going against Patrick Mahomes. You need Lou Anarumo because he's beaten him three times and almost beat him a fourth time, came this close to beating him a fourth time. You have Josh Allen, who he's already beaten once in the playoffs on the road in January. And don't forget, you have to deal with Nick Chubb twice a year. He's still a problem. They're going to deal with Derrick Henry again next year, and they dealt with him last year. He had one of his worst games of the year against the Bengals. And, I mean, you look at what they did to Stephon Diggs and other elite receivers. Like, they didn't really let Stephon Diggs do much. I don't think he was trending in the right direction anyway in the playoffs. But, I mean, that was a maestro performance with all of those names that Anaruma put together. I mean, when you guys think about the continuity that I just mentioned with the Bengals, I mean, how imperative is it when you think about other teams to have that continuity? Like, how much is that going to help them go against the Chiefs and the Bills and the Ravens who are used to having that continuity I mentioned? I think it helps around the edges, but, I mean, I think you downplay the fact that when you have a franchise quarterback that's one of the top three players in the league, I mean, you can roll whoever out there. It ain't going to matter. Like, I mean, uh, you know, I don't think it, 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 it will significantly alter what the Bengals do either way. I think it helps in terms of, you know, like, like I said, uh, on defense, you know, trying to get the best and maximize that talent. But, I mean, ultimately to the results, I, I think the results aren't going to be that much different, whoever they had being the corners. That's not nothing against Callahan or Lou, but, I mean, you're, a, you're, you're you have a team that has one of the best players in the league. What's the, I, I, you're not going to alter that, I, I don't think, with a different coordinator. Yeah, I mean, we we talked about this throughout the year. I think it was December, January, right as these interviews kind of started to come in. Um, yeah, we, we mentioned that losing Lou was probably a bigger deal than losing Callahan. Um, you know, the, there were there were options for, for elevations if both of those guys were to leave. You know, it wouldn't have been, you know, the sky is falling. Oh, no, this is terrible. We're losing, you know, this great play caller, this great this, this great that. Like, you could have managed it, you know, you they, they felt strongly and, and kind of the guys that, you know, they had coming up, like, for example, if Callahan leaves, pitchers, your offensive coordinator, it felt, you know, pretty, pretty slam dunk that it was just going to be an in-house elevation. But, you know, keeping those guys, I, I think, like I mentioned, with with keeping Anarumo, um, I think it's just as important, the continuity and everything, but it's also important to have a player, a coach that the players respect. Um, the, the defensive guys obviously really, really like Lou. You know, they've talked about him in, in a lot of positive lights in, in just kind of the things that he does and, um, you know, you hear the word trust thrown around a lot. You know, Mike Hilton uses that a lot where, you know, he trusts me. And that's really big because Mike Hilton, when he's blitzing off the edges and things like that, I mean, you, you need to have a coach that trusts you to do that and trust that you're going to make the right decision. Because otherwise, you know, if you're going to make a free call decision where you're doing something on your own, you got to understand that that coach might be pissed at you. And and Lou, Lou kind of has that expectation with his players. He holds his players to high standards, but you know, he really does like him. So I think that the loose stuff, um, I mentioned when you lose some guys on defense, that's going to matter. But offensively, like th this kind of feels like a machine where you can just plug and play at this point. As long as you have Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, it, like it's going to take a lot to derail the train. And the offensive line imploding is, is one of them, but it took three injuries for the offensive line to kind of implode and, and show their ass in the playoff game. So, um, show their ass. Yeah. It, the you know, and, and they played really well against Buffalo. You know, the, the, that <laughs> unit played really, really well against Buffalo. They ran the ball remarkably effectively. Um, so it, I mean, even then, even when you lose three starting linemen, you can kind of manage this offense is just that good.
So two things I want to ask, and I want to start with you, Mike. So I I actually agree. I mean, if you take out Callahan, sub and pitcher, they're fine. They're more than fine, I'd say. And I'm with you, Andrew. But you don't think if they were to lose Lou Anarumo, that wouldn't be a big deal? I don't think their defense would be derailed, but you don't think that would have a significant impact if he took that coaching job? On their win total? On their win total? No. On their win total? No. Maybe not their win total, but you don't think they would have had but some growing that, pains? Yeah. But ultimately, what is what matters? Well, the trust. Know, like, be- I'm not saying another coach won't trust, like Mike Hilton well, or whoever's back, but like, yeah, there, there's just a certain kind of like he understands gonna, what, they, what their strengths are. I mean, they're not going to pull somebody off the street and just be like, here's a clipboard, go coach the defense. I mean, like, <laughs> That's not what I'm saying, that- but it's not going to be the – like, you have to understand, it took him – four years to build up that defense and it's built where it is with or without him but he knows how to maintain it to the degree he did where he knows how to do to Mahomes what other defensive coordinators couldn't do he knows how to do to Josh Allen that not many other defensive coordinators know how to do like Mahomes lost other games and they eliminated not many other games though he's that good not that many they other games. They eliminated the Bengals. They eliminated the Bengals. So, I mean, it's and not like... barely, barely did it after three losses to them, including the AFC Championship. Like, it, uh, my point is, is ultimately the, Im- the impact it would have on the team next year would not be measured in, like, I, it, there would, I, I just don't see how, what, I mean, what are they going to lose? Th- they're going to lose three more games or something. That would be, that would have, that would be like a titanic impact. I just don't think a coordinator, um, with a, with a talented team and the, be- one of the best quarterbacks in the league would, would equal that. So no, I don't well, think and, that. And, and so, okay, and let's reverse it. What, what if the Chiefs lost Steve Spagnolo? You think that defense, it's good and they'd they, be really they'd good. Be, they would be the Super Bowl favorites next year, no matter what. They will be, but, like, you don't think their defense might have some growing pains if they were to, like, for whatever reason, lose Spagnolo? What if sure, another coordinator it, has a different philosophy it, that maybe isn't what those guys are used to? Well, they wouldn't just bring in somebody that would do something. They would bring in a, somebody in that tree if they wanted to maintain the continuity. Like, that's how the NFL works. Like, you wouldn't go – like, the, the Bengals wouldn't replace – like, look for somebody to replace Lou that runs a 3-4. That they'd have to reshake the whole defense. Like that's just not how those things work. Like, I, maybe I'm not in that impact. sense. No, I mean right because he does more impact, of a five like, two. Like when you have when you're at a certain level of of quarterback, like it doesn't matter as much who the the coordinators are. I mean, it's a very handful, small handful of teams. But you're not going to tell me that Patrick Mahomes wouldn't win 13 games next year with a different defensive coordinator. We're not talking about Patrick Mahomes, though. He's going to be fine. I mean, even without you Eric just Bien-Aimé, asked. Like you if, said if they lost Steve Spagnola. We're talking about the defense. How would the defense look? I'm not talking about winning or losing games because I agree their win loss total probably won't be much different. Just like if the Bengals lost Luana Rumo, Patrick Mahomes has nothing to do with matters. this. I'm talking about the defense. The defense right, but- would be fine. They wouldn't lose or be bad, but. Would they be like flashy the way they were with the schemes that Spagnolo has been drawing up the last four or five years? But you're not trying to win style points. You're trying to win the game. So if you're at the point where you're saying their win loss total wouldn't be different, what does it matter? Well, it can. It can. I mean, I'm saying I don't think it'll be significantly impacted, but I'm saying you have that possibility that if there's some like maybe issues with one side, whether it's rushing defense, passing defense, secondary linebackers, whatever. Maybe because this guy does things a little bit differently 
not off the rails different, but a little bit differently from whatever Spagnolo did. I don't know. I'm not a coach. He is obviously. Same with Anna Rumo, since we're bringing it back to the Bengals. I'm not saying you're going to sink and tank and all that. I'm not trying to be dramatic, but I'm just saying the point is there's a reason why continuity is good. Like you're saying it's not that big of a deal. I think it is. I'm not saying you're going to lose a lot of games without Lou Anarumo or, you know, Brian Callahan or Dan Pitcher, but it helps. Like comfort helps. They're comfortable with the system. They're used to the system. Like they already know what to expect from Lou. They know what to expect from this player, that player. Like Mike Hilton's yeah, going to be like, all right, I understand, Lou, I I understand why con- I'm not saying continuity is bad. I'm just you're saying, saying it doesn't really that- matter though. When you have one of the best offenses in the league, no, it does not matter as much. Okay, then. I mean, I didn't say that the Bengals' offense won't do anything, but I still think for what it's worth, as amazing as Joe Brown and Patrick Mahomes are, like it's complimentary football for a reason. We can be cliche all we want, but it's the truth. It's the truth. But, I mean, again, like I think we can agree to disagree, but there's a reason why it's so rare to have that kind of continuity. Like I only listed three other teams, really two if we don't want to include the Chiefs, only two other teams not named the Chiefs and Bengals who have that kind of continuity. And even then it doesn't match up to the Bengals and Chiefs. Like with the Bills, it's just Leslie Frazier. The Ravens, it's just Mike McDonald. Gray Roman is gone. He stepped down. So I don't know. Like we'll actually talk about later in the show about how the Ravens have a new offensive coordinator. And I'll get to that in a second. But Andrew, am I crazy or am I actually onto something here? Well, I mean, it matters. Like you want to have the same staff and you want to have – um, you know, guys that have done well in a position stay in that position. Um, I mean, I think the only thing, you know, that really would have mattered, like if, if James Betcher and Dan Pitcher take over, um, I mean, Pitcher wouldn't have called plays, but like if James Betcher comes in and he's an unmitigated disaster, like if he's just genuinely a bad defensive coordinator, then yeah, that would matter, obviously. Like if you're talking about two ends of the spectrum, but as long as you don't think that, and I don't think he would have been, um, I'm not sure. I, I, I think kind of what Mike said, like it, it, you win around the edges. Now, in a playoff game, that can matter where you need one, two, three plays. Uh, but like on the whole, like I, I'm not I'm sure. Saying, that, yeah. I'm on the whole. I'm not sure it's making a ton of difference. Um, obviously, losing Lou would have been, um, you know, it wouldn't have been good. You know, no, I, I, certainly Mike's not saying that. Um, but you lose Lou and, and if you replace him with an in-house guy who the system, like there's no reason to change the scheme. There's no reason to change the system. Um, you know, you, the only reason you really see that is if, you know, Hey, this defense was 28th in points and 27th in run and 31st in pass, like something's not working. Like if you, it, that's when you change it up, that's when you throw the curve balls and say, okay, we're, we're changing how we do things and why we do things. But the Bengals don't need to do that because their defense was pretty good last year. Um, so I think that, you know, that's not where you're at. So as long as you, I, I just, I don't know. I, I think that Mike's, Mike's onto the, Mike's, Mike's right when you say coordinators are less impactful when you have uh, specifically coordinators on either side of the ball, when you have a, a team that is as good offensively as the Bengals are. I mean, they still matter around the edges, but I just don't think that like losing Anarumo takes them from, like if you thought the Bengals were going to go 12 and five, that doesn't take them to like nine and eight or 10 and seven, uh, 10 and what would that be? 10 and seven. Like I, I'm not sure you see a noticeable difference. Um, even if there is one, um, 
I, I just think that, I mean, this team has, they've kind of, the Bengals have, have kind of talked before about how good they feel about developing coaches and, you know, quarterback coaches and position coaches and, and guys kind of rising through the ranks, analysts, things like that. And, and they've talked about, you know, Hey, we, we want to make sure that these guys are, are kind of growing with us. And, and if they get another job elsewhere, great. But if they get promoted in house, that's kind of what we want them for. So the Bengals feel confident that, you know, if, if they would have lost in Rumo, Hey, it's kind of like you lose Chidobi Awuzie, like next man up. And James Betcher probably takes that job. So um, it it would have mattered, it, but I don't think it it makes this, like, massive Grand, San, Grand Canyon-sized gap where it's like, Grand ooh, they might, they might not be great. They might not be great defensively this year. Grand Canyon. I like your analogies there. I'm a big National Parks guy, so that was a good one. I used to live out in the Mountain West. I hear you on that. I don't mean to sound dramatic or exaggerated. I just really believe, and you know, I've said this many, many times. If we're just talking about Luana Rumo. Now that D'Amico Ryans has a head coaching job, now that Jonathan Gannon has a head coaching job, I believe at this point now, at this point in time, pending who takes those other jobs for the 49ers and Eagles, I think he is the best defensive coordinator in the NFL entering 2023. So, yeah, James Betcher, you know, he's been a defensive coordinator. You know, he's the only other uh, coach on the Bengals staff who's been a coordinator before. I mean, he gets the system. He understands what Anarumo does. But Anarumo is just uh, – he's just got a certain – I don't know, whether it's his stat now and demeanor, his personality, his depth of knowledge. There's just something there that I feel like he has that's hard to find in other coaches. doesn't take away from them. doesn't take away from Betcher, who I think has done a great job with Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt. And is even a big reason why the red zone defense was so good. Like, he's kind of the mastermind behind that. So he would have done a great job, too. But it's just, again, there's something about Lou, man, that clearly the Cardinals saw in him that made him consider him. But when we come back, we're going to talk about shaping the AFC North from a coaching standpoint. The Ravens have a new OC. What does that mean for their quarterback? And what does their quarterback situation mean for Joe Burrow? We'll talk all about that and much, much more right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Hey there, it's Muhammad Ahmad from the Strictly Stripes podcast. You might be wondering, what exactly is Cincinnati Football Insider? Well, it's a community of fans who want the inside scoop on the Bengals and a direct connection to the Strictly Stripes podcast and the reporters who cover the team. And that would be me, Andrew Gillis, and Mike Nislik. It works like this. Andrew, Mike, and I will text your phone a few times a day with breaking news, analysis, and our insights on the Bengals. It's the inside scoop on what we're hearing, and we'll give you the inside word before it even hits social media. Being an insider is the best way to participate with the podcast and get in on special events and Zoom calls with me, Mike, and Andrew. And the best part is you can text us directly. It's a great way to cut through the clutter of Facebook, Twitter, other social media, and avoid the trolls for just $4.99 a month. Still not sure? Well, just try it for two weeks, and if you don't like it, you can text the word STOP at any time, but you won't want to cancel once you join the community of hardcore Bengals fans. Here's the best way to get on board. Go to cleveland.com slash Bengals, click on the blue banner at the top of the page, or if it's easier, text 513-940-4193. It's a great time to try the two weeks free, as we'll be reporting live from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Plus, we'll be covering free agency on the way to the NFL Draft in April. Give us a try for two weeks and see what you think. Just text this number again. It's 513-940-4193 and become an insider today. And welcome back into the Strictly Stripes podcast. So elsewhere around the NFL in the coaching carousel, the Ravens have hired Todd Munkin to be their new offensive coordinator after Greg Roman stepped down at the end of the year. 
He has been an offensive coordinator in the NFL before. He was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a couple years. He spent one season with the Cleveland Browns in 2019 in Freddie Kitchens' last year. It wasn't very eventful. They went 6-10. and 10. But then he goes to Georgia, and he wins two back-to-back national titles with the Bulldogs. So I guess it didn't work in Cleveland, but it worked in Athens, and the Ravens think it'll work in Baltimore. The reason why I bring this up, though, is because we all know about Lamar Jackson's situation. He's not under contract. It seems like the Ravens are going to franchise tag him. But if it's a non-exclusive tag, unless the Ravens can match or another team were to offer Lamar, then that's that. So do you see this affecting whether Lamar stays or goes in Baltimore? Does it really just have nothing to do with it? Or, I mean, let's imagine Lamar does stay, for example. Like, How do you see that changing the Ravens' offense, and how do the Bengals kind of have to deal with that next year? Like, At least what do you guys think of Munkin in that sense? Well, I mean, Munkin, he's he's kind of got a, a passing background, which I think, um, you know, the Ravens, I, they, they tried to lean into the run game over the last few years. Um, and, and it I mean, they're good, but they were not, you know, the level that they want to be. Um, you know, they talked about Lamar Jackson being involved in those discussions. So I think, you know, this is this is something to monitor in the AFC North um, because, if Lamar doesn't sign a long-term deal, if he's going to play this year under the franchise tag, um, then you're not, you know, then you're not really worried about it. Uh, if you're, if you're the Bengals, but and I wouldn't even say they're worried about it. I just think you keep tabs on it because, you know, Lamar, Lamar is trying to get paid, and uh, you look at some of the some of the money thrown around the league. Deshaun Watson, two hundred thirty million guaranteed. You know, Rodgers is making fifty mil a year. Um, you know, Mahomes is like a $500 million deal. Josh Allen's over $250 million total. Like you you can kind of look at some of the numbers and I mean, if Lamar gets the bag, I think that that matters for Burrow a little bit because there's no way that Burrow should go to the table and say, you know, I'm taking less than Lamar. I don't think that I think Lamar wants to be kind of paid in the same way as Deshaun, but I think you could make a really good case that Burrow is getting, more than Deshaun is going to get or however you want to structure it with the guarantees or the total value or whatever. So, um, I mean, any contract that you talk about in terms of when it's going to be signed for the next year is going to be compared to Burrow. So um, I think it'll matter for a little bit. And, um, you know, if for some reason, if, if either Lamar doesn't sign a deal and Burrow doesn't sign a deal. And they're once again doing this next year and Lamar has a great year or, you know, Lamar signs a deal tomorrow. And then, then you can kind of say, okay, here's what Lamar got. Here's probably what you can do with, uh, with Burrow. So you think Burrow might not get a deal this off season? You think well, that's no, a possibility? I, I think he will. I, I think he will. Okay, that's I was why I say. tried to preface it like in some crazy bizarre world where he doesn't, um, where they're like, yeah, we're going to, you know, we're just going to kick the can down the road and we're, you know, that's future, future Duke Tobin's problem. Um, I, <laughs> I, I don't think that they're going to do that. Um, nor do I think they should do that, but I just wanted to state all possibilities. I think that is extremely unlikely, but if, but it, you know, so I guess the more, I mean, the more likely example would be Lamar signs a deal in the next two weeks or so, and then you can, then you can go from there. Yeah, I mean, that all adds up. I don't remember the question. 
Well, I was saying, <laughs> you know, we're talking about Todd Munkin being in Baltimore. Like, do you see that changing the Ravens' offense at all? Like, I know Andrew talked about them being a passing offense, but assuming Lamar is still there next year with a new deal or the franchise tag, like, how do you see that changing up the Ravens' offense next year? What does that mean for the Bengals' game plan against Todd Munkin instead of Greg Roman this time around? We're going to be talking about, we're talking about the Bengals' game plan for the Ravens' game on February 14th. I'm really excited about this. Uh, I have no idea. Um, I don't think it'll shift all that much because your personnel is what your personnel is. They're not going to be able to remake it in one off season. Um, and they've got a lot of running backs. They got a fullback. They got a lot of tight ends. I mean, they're not going to be able to just sort of flip a switch. They got no wide receivers. Um, so, I mean, it'll be a slower process. And I think it's just, a, you know, you don't snap your fingers and change your offense. But as far as the Bengals game plan for the Ravens, we, we don't know the days of those games, right? Because we don't know the schedule yet. We do not, no. Yeah, three we months. We don't know. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure. three, four work. months. Yeah. I'll think about it. I'll think about it. Yeah, I mean, that sounds good. But, no, I, w- I want to jump more into kind of what uh, Andrew talked about with Lamar and, you know, the money on the table, what that would mean for Joe Burrow. I mean, like, I like what you said, Andrew. I mean, like, if you know, Lamar does get that deal in the offseason, if they come to it and they don't tag him, then, yeah, I think – I mean, I'm just speculating here, but I'd imagine Joe would probably say, well, Lamar is making this. He's making this. Deshaun is making this. I mean, let's be fair. Like, I don't really care about the money, but I care about my worth. And so I, I'd imagine he'd want something similar to what they make. Because like you said, I mean, it seems like Lamar wants to get that, you know, sort of along the lines of what Deshaun has, the $230 million, which – God, I still cannot believe that sometimes. Like, I have to read that twice when I see that. But, yeah, I definitely think it'll shift it a certain way where I think Burrow will want to get paid. But, again, like, you also have to counter that with he wants to be with Jamar. He wants to be with T. They want to be with him and vice versa. So it'll be interesting to see how much it moves the needle. But I definitely think it does. But if Lamar can't come to anything with the Ravens and then Burrow gets a deal, then kind of flips the table a little bit. But like you said, I mean, Burrow's guaranteed to get something. Lamar's in kind of an interesting situation. And by the way, I almost forgot he didn't have an agent. His mom represents him, right? They, or like he kind of represents himself or something like that? Uh, and uh, do you mean in terms of like contract negotiations? Contract negotiations, yeah. I believe he has an agent. Are you sure? I thought I, I saw so. somewhere that he didn't. Or am I just... Am I thinking of somebody else? Either I mean, way, Lamar, yeah. Lamar. I mean, he doesn't have an agent. Like he has to negotiate directly with with the Ravens. And like, basically, his mother is like his advisor because he doesn't have an agent. Sort right. of. Well, I don't know if it's his. Mom, That's interesting. But I know Lamar. Ha- Lamar has to deal with like Eric DaCosta and everybody in the front office, um, like individually, which kind of slows things down too. I mean, you actually, again, I did not know this until recently, but, like, why would he do that? That's actually very interesting. Like, does anybody do that besides him? You you know him better than me. Does anyone do that? At least in the NFL? I have no idea. Um, He's he's an interesting guy, (laughs) to say the least. Yeah, I I have no idea who would do that. I'm trying to think. I don't don't think there's anybody, at least that that I know of. I mean, hey, mothers know best, but, I mean, agents have law degrees for a reason. So I don't know. But um, either way, he's an interesting fella on and off the field. But it'd be something to monitor and to watch and to see how that kind of tips the needle. But stay tuned with us because this week we're going to get back into our positional reviews, talked about 
quarterbacks. Well, basically just quarterback because it's Joe Burrow. Talk about the running backs, and now we're going to get into the rest of the offense, including the wide receivers and the O-line. And the defense will get its turn here soon. But once again, for myself, Andrew Gillis and Mike Nizek, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you on Wednesday.